At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We eagerly wait with anticipation for the return of Jesus, when He will make everything wrong, right. In a way, He's always reigned over all things, but on the other hand, His saving grace has received pushback and rejection from the evil of this world. Join us in our new series, Thy Kingdom Come, His Reign in Our Lives where we'll learn what the reign of Jesus truly means for us believers and how we, as the body of Christ, can continue spreading His name until He returns. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment. Imagine that you were the king of this small island country, or queen, you could be queen too, like king or queen of this small island country. So just imagine, and imagine you have your loyal subjects spread all throughout these different lands. Are you picturing this with me? Like you're the king, you're the queen, you've got all these loyal subjects all over the place. And for the most part, they're good subjects, like your people, they're so good, they're so faithful to you. And that. But there's this one group. Like there's this one group and they're not so loyal. In fact, they're a little bit rebellious. Are you picturing the scene with me, right? They keep just pushing and pushing and pushing. What are you going to do to stop their rebellion? How are you going to handle that? Now, some of you are like, I know what I would do. I would raise up an army and I would smash their little rebellion. I'd just squish it in the ground. That's how I would handle it with a smile on my face. I would send a fully armed battalion to remind them of my love, right? And some of you, you're thinking, well, I've seen Hamilton. I've studied the American Revolution. I've watched that movie Braveheart. That doesn't always work. Sometimes that works against you. So I would learn from the lessons of history. I would learn from the lessons of the past. And instead of doing that, I would negotiate. I would be diplomatic. I, okay, I wouldn't sit down at the table with them because I wouldn't trust their little rebellion. But I would send my representative who would sit across the table and would say, I would like to hear your grievances. And they would share their grievances. And then I would share, well, here's how we can meet you in the middle. And we would end up with this middle ground. That's what we would do. And some of you, you know that you'd have an advisor in your ear or many advisors in your ears. And they would be saying things like, hey, all you need to do, just remind them that you're the king. If you remind them that you're the king, then they're just going to do what they're supposed to do simply because you're the king. And of course, you would kind of laugh at that, wouldn't you? And you go, oh, you you think that's going to work? That would never, ever work. Or is it possible that it might work? Well, let's take our Bibles. We're going to open up to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. We are in week 4 of our sermon series called Thy Kingdom Come, where we're looking through Mark's chapters 3, 4, and 5. And Mark has really been pressing us with this question. That question is, who do you believe Jesus to be? Who do you believe Jesus to be? What do you believe about Jesus? And this is some very powerful Scripture when it comes to what Jesus has said and what other people have said about Jesus. Chapters 3, 4, and 5. Week number one of this series, we said, well, there's really not a middle ground. You can't sit on the fence when it comes to who Jesus is. You either think he's a lunatic, right? He's crazy. He's a liar. He's just dishonest. He's a liar. Or he's Lord. It's one of the three. And if he's Lord, it changes Everything. So Pastor Abe last week taught us from chapter 4, verses 1 through 20, where he talked about how Jesus compared the condition of our hearts to the different types of soil. And he's going to kind of carry on that same type of conversation this week as we look at this big idea that Jesus' reign advances 
through his shared word. Jesus' reign, the kingdom of Jesus advances because of his word being shared, because we are faithful in sharing his word. We're faithful in the testimony. And I'm just going to tell you of everything I could talk about on a Sunday morning, I think this is the thing that freaks us out the most. Like I could talk about, you should have a quiet time and you're going to go like, yeah, I should have devotional time with the Lord every day. I get it. I could talk about, you need to serve and you're going to be like, yeah, we should serve and we should take care of people. And I could even talk about tithing. I could talk about your money. And I think that would cause you to squirm less than me saying you need to share your faith, right? We do. We get so panicked when it comes to sharing our faith with others. So how do you do that? Why is it important? What does it mean to be faithful in sharing the word? Well, the first thing that we're going to see is that deeper leads to greater. Look down at your Bible, Mark chapter 4. I'm going to start in verse 24. Verse 24 says, Jesus is speaking. It says, he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And still more will be added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So Jesus, at this point, he has already shared that he is the lamp that will shine. He is the secret that has been hidden and now is coming into the light. That his word is the one that will continue into all the world. But before he gets to the portion of telling how his word will go, before he goes to how the kingdom advances, before he gets to that, he first continues in on some of what we had talked about with our hearts being soil. And what he says is, you need to pay attention to what you hear. Pay attention. It's like when the kids are in the room and they're all being crazy and they're all being obnoxious and you got something important. You're like, hey, y'all need to listen up. Like, shush, then pay attention. Just listen up, right? It's that whole thing. Jesus telling them to shush and listen up. Y'all need to pay attention because this is important. The more you pay attention to the word, he says, the more you pay attention to the word, the more you grow in this. The more you're paying attention, the more you receive God in large measure. But if you don't pay attention to the word, you just pay attention a little, you're just going to receive in small measure. That makes sense, right? That's logical. You pay attention in large, you receive in large. You pay attention in little, you receive in little. He continues in verse 25 and says another way to say that would be the person who has more because they've listened and received to the word, they're blessed more. You know, but if you're not faithful in these little things that grow into bigger things, you're not faithful here, well, then you're not going to keep receiving more. Think about it like this. You've all seen those athletes in high school who are remarkable. Right? Whatever sport, doesn't matter. Volleyball, softball, baseball, basketball, football, doesn't matter the sport. But let's say they're so good, they get the opportunity to play at the next level. Division one athletics, right? You picturing that person in your head? They walk in. I happen to know a strength and conditioning coach at the division one level. And one of the things he says is there's many universities that when you walk in as that high school athlete, you're 17, you're 18 years old, you set records at your high school, right? You have worked out for countless hours. It's not like you just showed up for practice and you just magically were that good. Like you were spending hours in the weight room, hours with, with coaches that your parents have hired, right? You, you spent hours working on these skills. You get to that university and here's what happens. You put all the weight onto that bar to start working out and they're going to walk in and that strength and conditioning coach is going to wag their finger at you. They're going to say, no, take it all off. 
And you're going to go, but do you know who I am? Do you know, I set records at my high school. And they're going to shake their head and they're going to go, no, 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 no. We're going to, we're going to start with a band is what we're going to start with. Just like a stretchy band. Because you're going to learn to have perfect form as you're working out. As you're working out, you're just going to work on your form. And when that's perfect, we'll start to put a little weight on. And when that's perfect, we'll add more weight and more. That way you can really receive. But you're going to start and be faithful with small. And we're going to keep trusting you with more and more and more as you prove you're trusted with the more. Or it's uh, like what Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers. He says, for anyone to become a master of something, it takes about 10,000 hours. I don't know how he figured this out, but 10,000 hours. You want to be a professional ukulele player? 10,000 hours. That's about what it's going to take you. You do that, you're going to be a master ukulele person. Like 10,000 hours. That's what it's going to take. But think about the people who are the best, either present or past, the very, very best at what they do. Industry, art, sports. So, I mean, you could talk about Jordan. You could talk about Brady. You could talk about... You can talk about Ford, you can talk about Rembrandt. I don't care who you're talking about. They spent so much effort, so much time on their skill. And that's why you see the fruit produced from their areas of focus. Here's what Jesus is saying to those who are listening to him. Jesus is saying, I want you to focus in on the word. I want you to focus on the ground. And the more you focus on this, the more you're going to grow in the Lord. As your heart is fertile soil and you're pressing in, you're going to continue to grow as a disciple. So of course I'm going to tell you, you need to be starting your day in the word. Now some of you, here's what you're going to say. You're going to say, okay, well I've tried to do my quiet time. I love how we've like boiled this down to I'm going to have a five minute quiet time. Well, I have my quiet time at night, not in the morning, because I'm not a morning person. I'm a night person. You know what we do? We make excuses, don't we? We're real good at that. And some of you, I'm just going to acknowledge I don't live in your house. And I don't know what it is to be Monday morning at your home. Some of you have kids. Raise your hand if you have kids at home right now. Mm-hmm. So I once heard this. This is smart. This person said there's a difference between important and urgent. To study God's word is important. We all know this. Look, you're gathering on a Sunday morning. You know the importance of studying the word of God. It's important, but there's urgent. I can't find my socks, mama. I can't find them. I only have one sock, mama. I'm not going to school, right? Full on melt. It's urgent. That is urgent. You have to find the sock now, right now, or when they're starving to death. They're not going to make it five more minutes unless they eat right now. And you have to feed your husband because he's starved, right? You're like... This is urgent. It's urgent. You got, and so many times our lives are ran by the urgency of the moment. And I know I'm joking and playing around, but seriously, some of you, you feel that tension. And you have meetings in the morning that are starting before the sun comes up. You've got meetings at work because there's urgent things going on in Southeast Michigan right now. In all seriousness, there's urgency in your lives and you're trying to figure out how do I do this. I'm telling you, this will pay huge dividends in your life, but you need to start with the word of God. Start your day with the word of God. It will frame everything else. And it doesn't mean that you're doing mornings instead of nights. This is both and. Friends, this is both and. And in the middle. It's one of the things I love watching what's going on at this church. I am so fired up that on Monday nights we have Celebrate Recovery. 
people coming together to do exactly this. Let's study God's word to get Tuesday nights. I have a hundred men gathered together, diving deep. And, are you kidding me? Like that is awesome. Wednesdays, we have a hundred students upstairs and downstairs, middle school and high school who are pressing in. I don't know what student ministry was like when you were a kid, but I am telling you what happens with student ministry today is they're very serious about teaching the word of God. Yes, there's fun that's had, but they're very serious about studying the word. And they do it in big groups and they do it in small groups. It's incredible. Thursdays, we have 130 women who are faithfully gathered. It blows me away. But yeah, what I'm going to tell you is start your day. Because you can't trust that what you're going to hear this morning in 30 minutes and a few songs is going to carry you throughout the week. It's never meant to do that. I want it to excite you. I want you to feel the experience of worshiping with the whole body together. But in the morning, you got to start with the word. And throughout the day, continue, whether it's through music or whether it's through an app on your phone, continue to put the word into your heart. And when you're closing the day, go back to the word because that's going to lead to that place of faithfulness. And faithfulness will lead to fruitfulness. That's point two. Faithful will then go to fruitful. Look at verse 26. And he says, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. So again, last week, Abe preached from verses 1 through 20, talking about our hearts as soil, the condition of the soil. But here he's switching this illustration. Now we're not the ground. Now we're the one who's scattering the seed. He's talking about the scattering of the seed on the ground. So what it's saying is those who sow us, we scatter the seed and then we wait. I want to let you peek behind the curtain of my heart for a second. Just for a moment. I'm going to let you peek because I'm awful at this sometimes. I really am. Like you, you sow the seed and I know that one of the fruits of the spirit one of the evidences that I'm a follower of Jesus is I have patience in my life, right? There should be love, and there should be joy, and there should be peace, and there should be, uh-huh. Yeah, so here's what patience looks like for me sometimes. Lord, I sowed the seed. I'm looking for a response. I mean, patiently, I'm waiting. Where is it? Right? That's what I do. That's what I do. Like, I, I just expect that I'm going to see a response now, like Right now, because I just preached, so where's the response? Lord, I don't understand. Where's the response? The word went out. I should see the response. Next month, uh, I'm going with one of the elders from the Troy campus to India. We're going to be teaching some pastors who are there. And it reminds me of this missionary named William Carey. Uh, many of you have heard his name before. He uh, worked for seven years sowing the seed, sowing the gospel, preaching truth. Seven years. He saw one convert, one convert in seven years. Can I tell you, if he was a pastor in America today, he would be put on an improvement plan. <laughs> he would, if he's even working at that church anymore. The congregation's probably going to get sick and tired of him, and they're going to go, your programming is all wrong. You're fired. Like, we're going to find another guy with better programming. Did you hear the programming Jesus said? Jesus says, here's your programming, sow the seed. Here's your programming, 
preach the truth. So what I hope is as you look at our weekly calendar, at our monthly calendar, our yearly calendar, when you look at the things that we do as a church, that everything goes back to the word. Everything goes back to the sowing of the word. So Jesus continues, verse 27. He illustrates the waiting. He says, you're going to sow the seed, but then the seed is going to sprout. The seed's going to sprout not because the sower did anything. The sower throws the seed out and then he has to wait because that blade's going to come up out of the ground. And that sower, that person who threw out the seed, they didn't make the sun shine. They didn't make the rain come. They didn't make it be 80 degrees for the adult fall fest yesterday, summer fest, whatever that was yesterday, right? The sower doesn't do that. That just happens. The Lord is the one who's doing that. And then he continues on in verse 28. He says, the sprout has a blade, then an ear, then full grain in the ear. The sower didn't do any. But notice the job of the sower is not done. The job of the sower is not done. Sometimes I think that's how we approach the sowing of the gospel. Sometimes I think we think like, I'm going to tell my testimony. I'm going to tell people the gospel. I'm going to, whoo, glad I did that. Now I'm out. No, there's sowing. There's waiting. There's reaping, there's sowing, there's waiting, there's harvesting. On the book ends, that's where we get to be part of the process. In the middle, that's the work of the Spirit. We don't have anything to do with that. That's completely the work of the Spirit right in front of us. Now, remember who Jesus is talking to. Jesus is talking to a group of people who are waiting for the Messiah. They've been waiting for the rescuer. They've been waiting for the person who's going to come in on a white horse with a sword and kick out the Romans. That's what they're waiting on. And you know what Jesus just said? Jesus just said, no, it's not going to be fast and sudden like that. This is going to be slow, piece by piece. You think that it's going to be instant, and it's not. This is going to come through faithfulness. Sow the seed and wait. Preach the truth and wait. Share the gospel and then wait. And then there will come a time when all of a sudden you look up and there's fruit and now it's time for the harvest. Now you go back to the work with the harvest. That's where you're going to jump in. He is encouraging them to share the gospel. I don't know if they're still popular, but back in the day, like way back in the day, they had these books, Frog and Toad. Y'all remember that? There was one called The Garden and it, it illustrates this perfectly. I think it's Frog. Frog's the one who went to be a farmer man or farmer toad, whatever, farmer frog, whatever he was. So Frog wanted to be the farmer, and so he put seed in the ground, and he's waiting. He's getting impatient. He's frustrated, like, where is it? And Toad's like, no, you got to wait. And so then it's raining on him, and then it's nighttime, then it's daytime, it's nighttime, and it's daytime. He's just waiting, waiting, waiting. Finally, he gives up waiting because he's like, nothing's going to happen. And all of a sudden, sure enough, there comes up a blade right out of the ground, which then produces the fruit, and then comes the harvest. You see, sometimes, sometimes it takes a whole lot of waiting and a whole lot of patience. Sometimes it takes sowing seed in the same area a lot. Like in your life and in my life. It took me years before I responded. I heard the gospel, heard the gospel, heard the gospel, heard the gospel. Heard. How many, some of you, you responded to Jesus the very first time you heard the gospel ever. Many of you are different. In fact, raise a hands if it took you more than one time of hearing the truth of Jesus before you responded. Only about a quarter. That's cool. So I'm going to talk to a lot of you out in the hall. Um, <laughs> because I know it does happen. I just didn't realize there'd be one service where there were so many. So that's amazing. And I'll talk to you following the service because I want to hear your testimony. 
Because I think, I do, like, I, and I'm being sincere, like, I do think it is awesome when someone can hear truth and they respond. Like, they're like, I don't need to fight it. I was different. Man, I fought it. I don't know why. Like, why did I do that? Pride, maybe? I don't, I don't know. But I did. I fought it really hard. And I mentioned that to say this. The Lord was really patient with you, wasn't he? He let you hear the truth again and again and again and again and again. There's people in your life People in your family, people you work with, people you live next to, some of your friends, they need to hear the gospel again and again and in a different way and again and again. And they need to keep hearing the gospel. In fact, I would say even when you've responded to Jesus, you've already surrendered your life to him as Lord. I think we need to be reminded of the gospel, don't we? That's why we gather on Sunday mornings. That's why we gather in life groups. Because you know what happens? We forget that it's by grace that you're saved through faith and not by works so that no one can boast. And so what happens is all of a sudden sin enters your life. Sin enters my life. And what do I do? Man, I'm afraid the Lord's going to punish me now. The Lord's going to, or the opposite. Look how good I did. We get real puffed up, don't we? Man, I'm, I'm awesome. You know what I did? Like, look how good I did. And we start to make ourselves the center of the conversation when we're never supposed to be the center of the conversation. Jesus is. Jesus is always supposed to be the center of the conversation. He is the center of our salvation, of our hope, of our refuge, of our hiding place. He is the center of the gospel, not us. We need to come together to remind each other of that truth. One last principle is that small leads to expansive. Look at verse 30. And he says, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It's, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. So Jesus asked a question. How, how can you explain the kingdom of God? King, I mean, just imagine you're given that task. I want you to talk to this person over here about the kingdom of God. You know what we're going to do? We're going to say, okay, I'm going to take that person outside at nighttime. Look up at the stars in the sky. See how many stars, see how vast, see how huge. Or I'm going to say, hey, on Saturday mornings, Football games. I want you to imagine a stadium with 100,000 people in it, right? Just the scope of it. Or we're going to go like to pop culture. We're going to go, you know, there's the Eras Tour, right? Or imagine you've got this really famous singer who starts dating this football player that no one really knows, but overnight he becomes known, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, that's, so that's what we do. We start, to, we start to try to use these grandiose examples. Did you see what Jesus did, though? He turned that totally on its head. And he said, it's, it's, like, it's like the tiniest of seeds. Now, is the mustard seed the tiniest seed on the planet? No, but remember, he's talking in parables right now. He's using illustrations. This is not literal language. He's saying, this mustard seed, though, it's so tiny. If you walked outside and you're picking up branches in your yard and there's a mustard seed on the ground, you ain't going to see that mustard seed. Are you kidding? It's too small. It's too tiny. You're just going to walk right over it. So he's like, it's, a, it's that tiny little seed. When you take that 
tiny little seed and you sow it into the ground. Out of that tiny seed, you're going to have this huge plant that's so big, the branches are going to produce a shade that the birds can make a nest under it. Remember, he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the kingdom expanding. He's like, you sow the seed. You sow truth. You sow the gospel. I know it feels so insignificant to you. Who are you? What is your testimony? What is your story of how the Lord has worked in it? It, We feel so insignificant, but he's like, I want you to be intentional in sowing that seed because out of it is going to produce this place of refuge for those that you're sharing. Just, Just think about who's talking right now. Jesus is talking, the one who came as a baby in a manger. Small, tiny, insignificant. He was raised in a place called Nazareth, Nowheresville. He was sown into the ground when he was placed into a tomb. But he resurrected from that tomb. He came up out of that tomb. He ascended into heaven. And his name is now the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. There's power in that. And so we're told, we're instructed to share our story, to share our testimony. And that's where we start to get a little uncomfortable. That's where we start to have a hard time is to talk about what the Lord is currently doing in our lives, of what the Lord has done in our lives. I think we're in that spot of going, I don't know exactly how to do that. So about a year ago, we started talking about starting Celebrate Recovery here at Woodside Romeo. And you guys know here a few weeks ago, we actually launched. We got started. And what we've been doing is every week we've been playing testimonies of our leaders. These are people who attend Woodside Romeo. They sit right next to you on Sunday mornings. They serve in the coffee ministry. They hold doors open. They serve in kids ministry. They're serving all over the church. And uh, these are people who are leading out and, and sharing their stories because it is such a big part of what happens on Monday nights. Celebrate Recovery is where we focus on the fact that we all have hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And one of the things I love about this ministry, it encourages the sharing of your faith and showing how the Lord is right in the midst working amongst us. I want to share with you this morning Greg's story so you can hear a little more. Let's watch the screens. I grew up with a dad that was very verbally abusive. My life was hard. There was a lot of love in the house, but there was a lot of really condescending words. So I had a lot of back and forth, felt love, didn't feel love, felt loved. And I think as I grew up, I I went to a point where I just, I kind of felt like that's where God saw me also. I felt like I wasn't supposed to be born. Um, There was a time in my life where Suicide was a thought in my head. Um, I was afraid to go through with it, but there was, when I was younger, it was like, man, God made a mistake, so I should probably just not be here. Didn't feel like I had anything of value to add in life. And, and so it was, it was hard. So I got to the point in life where I just, I didn't like hurting people. The Holy Spirit kind of worked on me, and it really boiled down to, what can I do different to um, break free of that? And, and I knew there had to be something different. 
I knew that something had to change. I needed to be on the road to recovery, and I didn't know exactly what that looked like. Seeing Celebrate Recovery um, now let me know that there was more work that I had to do. I got to see some things in my life that um, some of them were big issues and some of them were small issues. But I, I get to the point where I'm like, I need to look at all of these because even the small issues end up like showing up at some point in time uh, in life. And uh, I just I didn't want them to show up. There was just so much of, um, I got tired of hurting people. Um, because I got tired of being hurt too. The Holy Spirit wanted to point out and say, Greg, you're better than this. Let's work on you. Let's get to that point where you have that connection with Jesus that Jesus wants you to have. I saw more in my life because I was letting Jesus work on my heart. There was a time in my life where there was a lie going on. Don't share any of this with anybody because you're the only one with this problem. When I got to the point of, I know I need to share this, now who do I share it with? I now have a group of brothers that I can share my deepest hurts with, knowing full well that they're not going to talk about them outside of the group. Um, I can share openly and not feel judged. So I want you to know that every Monday evening is a perfect Monday to join Celebrate Recovery. In other words, you don't have to wait for next season when we start over because you're already too far behind. That's not the way Celebrate Recovery works. Every Monday is a perfect Monday to come to Celebrate Recovery. And anyone can come. It doesn't just have to be people who attend Woodside on Sunday mornings, which means if you're talking to someone even this afternoon, and as you're talking to them, it's clear that they, they need community. They need people, invite them Mondays at 7, or anyone who does attend, you, the person sitting next to you, would love to have you join. You know, we've been talking a lot about, about how, about sowing the seed, but what about who? What about who? You see, the Lord has perfectly positioned you for his calling and his mission. You know people I don't know. You get the opportunity to interact with people I may never interact with because of people you're related to, because of where you work, because of where you live. You are perfectly positioned for the message the Lord has called us to of continuing to expand the kingdom. Who's your one? Who's the one that you're praying for right now? Because you see, if we're not careful, we do. We start to, as Christians, make the whole world about us how I think, how I feel, what I'm going through. We, we can so quickly do that. And yet the Lord has called us to more. So who's that one that you're praying for? 
who is that one that you're sharing the gospel with? Here, who's the one that you continue to be intentional with sowing those seeds? Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.